Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. All right, good morning, everybody. You feeling good? Um, You ready to go? You feel good? You all right on this series here? Uh, This is a series that we call Clarity. Um, Here's kind of my dream for this series that we're in. I feel like we live in a culture where there's a lot of questions and sometimes there's mockery of some of the ideas, methods, things that we hold dear as Christians. And so oftentimes we will hold to something, but we don't know the why behind why we hold it. And so I wanted to take a series and just called it Clarity, just to work on some topics that I think are foundational and fundamental for us as Christ followers. And so the very first week, uh, we talked about healing. And so uh, sometimes there's some pushback, some questions along the idea of healing. And we talked a little bit about uh, God as healer and basically went on a journey and talked about why we believe wholeheartedly that God still heals. And then last week uh, in this series on worship, we talked about, about worship, but even more than that, we talked about our own time of worship in secret, as well as what happens when we worship, why we worship, and why we worship together, even on Sundays in in terms of the gathering of the saints and coming together apart from whatever we feel, whatever circumstance, and actually declaring in the congregation. I mean, proclaiming who God is in worship. And so that was kind of the why behind that one. And and today, uh, I want to dig on, don't be nervous. I want want to go after spiritual warfare. Everybody grab your breath. Really? Yeah. Spiritual warfare. And and here's, here's what I look at. When I look at kind of like the banner of this, kind of our our banner verse for the series would come out of Acts 2. Because there's a moment where Christians were mocked. And so it's the story of Pentecost and Holy Spirit is poured out. And then there's this moment where they begin to mock the Christians and say they must be drunk. And Peter stands up and goes, no, they are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which, which the prophet Joel spoke of. And he brings clarity to what's going on. And my hope is just to work on some of these topics and say, this is that. No, no, there's a reason why we gather together and we pray for healing. There's a reason why we gather together and we sing some songs and we go, this is how I fight my battles. And and I wanna work on even today what that battle is. Like I wanna talk a little bit about um, even when we're singing these songs, you are the defender of my soul and what it means to, to be in a spiritual battle in your spiritual battle that you're currently in. So a lot of content today. Ephesians chapter six is where we'll start. All right, Paul's speaking here. And the book of Ephesians is probably one of Paul's most beautiful writings and a lot of declaring identity of who the people of God are to the church in Ephesus. And at the conclusion, then he gives them this action. And I want you to see this action for your own life. Um, and I want you to be able to apply this in your own personal journey and your own personal battle. So when we sing that song, there's greater clarity. All right, Ephesians 6, verse 10, coming to the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul would say, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because of that, 
put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. So when your dark day is coming, I want you to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. We pray for wisdom and revelation. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would stand, as Paul said. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, One of the things I love about Kansas City is the emphasis on soccer, big soccer community. And uh, I've put uh, many of my kids in soccer. uh, And so yesterday we were at a soccer game. My son, Justice, is my youngest. He's nine, right over here, Overland Park, uh, zero, zero. My boy's playing defense, zero, zero. Game's getting long, zero, zero. My boy's playing defense. And my boy playing defense decided he was just gonna step out of his position, run the whole length of the field, score the first goal, one, zero. And I just, uh, I'm still rejoicing. Um, Athleticism runs in my family. It just skips a generation. And so uh, I'm just so grateful for Justice's goal yesterday. But before Justice played soccer, my other kids played soccer and Dawson was a soccer player. And when we used to play soccer uh, in our backyard, his sister Olivia, when they were nine and eight, began to think that Dawson was good, but she's just as good, which is part of her personality. But anyway, uh, she began to just notice, hey, I could keep up with Dawson. So she said to me, hey, dad, what if I went on and played soccer with Dawson and these nine-year-old boys? And so I signed her up to play as an eight-year-old girl on a nine-year-old boy soccer team. And so Olivia got out there. She's playing soccer. Renata and I are standing on the sideline only to notice that our soccer player daughter was a little bit more of a ballerina than a soccer player. Like it started off with a lot of great ambition, a lot of hope, but before too long, uh, she was not running with the dudes. She was just kind of like, like, you know, just kind of hanging out in the field. And, and then she came and said, you know, dad, uh, I didn't realize that there was so much running involved in soccer. Bottom line is playing soccer requires running, right? It's, it's a lot. And so then she said, hey, this was fun for a season, but I'm out and checked out and uh, decided that's not for her. We're stuck to ballet, right? But the bottom line is if you're going to play soccer, you're going to run, right? If you're going to play football, you're going to get hit, Right? If you're gonna sign up for the armed forces, you're gonna be in a physical battle. And if you're gonna sign up to follow Jesus, you're gonna be in a spiritual battle. And there's many people that jump in that go, hey, I love it. Jesus died on the cross for me. Heard the preacher say, hey, pray this prayer, begin a journey with Jesus, started the journey. And then a little bit in, there's that, wow, this is a war. This is a battle. This is not Disneyland. This has got some challenges. There is an enemy. is hard. And one of my greatest sadnesses in my own journey as a Christ follower is running with friends, brothers, comrades, being in ministry for over 20 years and watching people that signed up and said, yes, they, I mean, saved Jesus, healed them, saved them, set them free. But the endurance of the journey, like the battle that came against them began to cause them to just cease 
to stand, like get tired, like just, and, and, and lies start to get in. And, and sometimes whether it's atheism or being agnostic or just saying, I don't know what I believe, but I'm just, I'm just not gonna believe. I'm not gonna believe in God. I'm not gonna believe in the word of God. I, I, I'm gonna develop some of my own ideas. Whatever it might be, it's ceasing to stand. And I really think if I'm gonna pastor a church, I really, I really want you to endure. I want you to be able to stand. I hear Paul, and one of the great things about Paul when we read his writings is how much he loves the people that he's writing to. And I think that it's easy to pull away from topics like this, but I wanna lean into them because I believe that this spiritual battle is real. And I want you to be able to stand. And that's Paul's language over and over again is he goes, stand, stand, stand. And Paul's got this conviction that the enemy is real, that the enemy is a real person. Barna Research Group uh, surveyed 1,871 Christians and 40% of them did not believe that Satan is an actual being. So that's a high percentage. That's American Christians. 40% don't believe he's a real person. And here's where I wanna go today. I want you to just look at, and you, at what Jesus says. I want you to read and see Paul. I want you to see Peter. I want you to see John. And I want you to just develop and form the conviction that they had and I hope that that comes alive in you because I think it's really hard to stand against someone that you don't believe exists. I think it's really hard to battle against someone that you don't think is real. And so I wanna work on that. I know this is a big topic. I wanna dive into it because ultimately I see two extremes. There's people that ignore it altogether, spiritual warfare, the enemy, demonic activity, and then on the other end of the spectrum would be people that might be too obsessed and they don't have their eyes on the savior. They got their eyes mostly on Satan. And it just seems like they're just always talking about the enemy. And I want us to go at, at what we see in the life of Jesus, what we hear in the writings of the apostles so that we can try to form the way that we live based upon what we see in the scriptures. And I think it's really clear that we've got this real reality that Jesus Paul, John, Peter, they have a warfare worldview because they believe that the enemy is real. C.S. Lewis said, there are two equal and opposite errors uh, into which our race, meaning people, can, can fall, fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And that's the spectrum that I just created. So C.S. Lewis goes, that's, you got people kind of all over that spectrum. And so I, I want you to see Jesus' interaction in Matthew 4, where he goes face to face with the enemy. I want you to hear, hear Paul here in Ephesians 6. I want you to hear Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8, where he talks about the enemy as a, a roaring lion, because they presupposed a worldview of, of warfare against the enemy. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to think of this battle as just a metaphor, as this war, as just a metaphor. And sometimes Jesus talked that way. Like sometimes Jesus would talk in parables and he would say, hey, the kingdom of God is like a man who had two sons. All right. And then we go into that great story of the prodigal son. And it's setting up this picture so that you can understand a reality. Sometimes, hey, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field or the kingdom of God is like a pearl that was hidden. Right. It's these pictures and sometimes it's easy for us to just kind of put it as kind of like a battle. However, when we read Paul 
in his battles, Peter in his battles, John. It's not that following Jesus is like a battle, it is a battle. And when we read Revelation and where it all ends, it's a, an enemy who is forever will be defeated like this foe thrown down into hell forever and ever. And so I just, here we go. I know this sounds crazy to go after this, but I wanna go after this. And I want you to have this conviction on where you stand and what you believe. So let me just give you a few verses here because I want you to see Jesus. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or life abundantly. So Jesus sets up this contrast and he goes, here is the motive of the enemy. The enemy, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. So what is God's goal for you? He wants you to have life. He wants you to have Zoe life. He wants you to have abundant life. That is his desire for you. So you don't have to get locked into, I wonder if God doesn't want me to have life. He wants you to have life. That is, and the enemy wants to destroy. Warfare worldview. First Peter 5, 8, listen to the way that Peter addresses it. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Strong language then resist him. And here's the word stand, just like, just like Paul used the word stand. Standing firm in, in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So when Peter's talking about the Christian journey, he's talking about this enemy that is prowling around like a lion, all right? John uses same idea. First John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So heretical view would be God is powerful, enemy is equally powerful. Not true. Don't believe that. All right. Here's God is omnipotent. God has all power. All right. Satan is a fallen angel right? So limited in power, he and one third of angels kicked out of heaven. And you and I live in right now, this kind of war zone, this, this season where we have, according to Paul, according to Peter, this attack, this, 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 this enemy and the demonic activity that stands against us. And even when we look at the way that Jesus communicates with his disciples, he talks about this. Look at this, Luke 10, 17, the 72 return. Jesus sends out 72. They go uh, declaring Jesus evangelism. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Okay, so Jesus, all powerful. Demons run and flee at the name of Jesus and delegated power, I mean, the authority of Jesus given to the apostles that even the, 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 even the demons flee when the apostles are ministering at the name of Jesus. And I love the way Jesus talks here because you see the way that Jesus is not intimidated. Jesus is not scared. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's this language of he's got no power compared to God. It is this. So I want you to see that. I want you to see big, 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 big God, all powerful God and not have an oversized view of the enemy, 
but I want you to know that he's real. <laughs> At the same time, I don't want you to pretend like the enemy's not out to destroy you because lions devouring people is a terrible video on YouTube and it'll scare you. And the enemy destroying your life is scary. And I want you to see it because we see this, it, we see this in the scriptures and we see it, I think we see it in our experience. I think we wanna develop some ideas as to not have to believe that because that's a little bit hard to have to believe, but this warfare worldview is real, all right? And when we look at where it all ends, right? So Jesus comes, Jesus puts the enemy forever, I mean, under his feet. When we read about the cross and Jesus is victorious and the enemy is defeated, all right, we call it the already but not yet because there is, it, it's, he's defeated, but there is this window of time where the enemy is still prowling like a lion and he's still after us. And so he is the one that wanted to be worshiped like God was worshiped, was kicked out of heaven. And now he's out to destroy you as a worshiper, as a follower of God. And Revelation 20 says this, it says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur and the beast and the false prophet uh, had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So that's where this is going. So if you're a guy like me, love sports, if you're watching your team play and you're watching the game live, right? And suddenly your team is throwing intercession, interceptions, your quarterback's being sacked and you don't look very good, you start to have some fear, Right? But if you're watching a game that has already over and you're just watching it and you already know the score, you're still bugged by the interceptions, right? You're still a little bit annoyed, but you've got a victory coming and you're sitting there at peace, right? I want you to be at peace. Our God, just some of the football fans just got that. The rest of you checked out for a minute. Our God wins, all right, all right. We're living in a season though, where the enemy is after. And I just, for me personally, I, I can't imagine uh, pastoring a church where we, don't, where we don't really dive in and talk about this because for me personally, I've watched so many that listened to a podcast that began to believe some lies and the enemy got some thoughts, pounced like a lion, attacked like Paul talks about. And I've seen so many that cease to stand, whatever picture that is. And I don't want you to become weary. I, I dream about you enduring. My hope is that, is that you have a, a worldview where you see Jesus is victor and I'm his follower and the enemy is under my feet and I'm not gonna tolerate the lies, the attack, the temptation, the deceiving and what she's gonna bring. And the way that Jesus talks about this is Jesus talks about him as a liar. So first I want you to see that he is real. Second, I want you to see, it's just that he is scheming. I want you to see it because that's what Paul brings in this text here. He uses this language of scheming. And if you imagine a schemer, it's one thing if somebody unintentionally hurts you, there should be a high degree of rage if somebody is scheming to take you out or take somebody that you love. If somebody accidentally hurts one of my kids, all right, okay, that's one level of pain. But if somebody is scheming with an evil intent to try to pounce on them, whoo, 
That's a whole nother level. I want you to actually see that the enemy wants to take you out. That's the language of Paul. That's what we've got in the text where he's scheming. It's this working a plan. And when Jesus talks about it, he talks about it as lies. He wants you to, he wants to get false ideas in your mind. So he is working on the lie that will cause you to cease to stand. He's working on what lie in terms of how you view God. Can he develop a a lie for you to believe so that you see God incorrectly, so that you have accusation in your heart instead of affection towards God? What lie can he get you to believe about a circumstance that took place in your life? What lie can the enemy get inside so that you get weak and you cease to stand? And this could look in a lot, this looks different. For me, I've done hours and hours of counseling with people and I've heard some of the most bizarre things and, it, and, and they don't think it's bizarre, but it doesn't align with the truth of the word of God. It, it aligns with their own kind of ideas, which at the root have started to not align with scripture and they're, they're just lies. But because they come from their own brains, they don't wanna call them lies. They wanna call them intellectually stimulating or this is just me. And I want you to see in your own life, because I just want you to not look at others, but apply your own life and go, how can I, what, what lies have I let get in what, to where the enemy is starting to get a foothold or where the enemy is starting to get in there, slowly causing me to believe lies, right? Jesus calls him father of lies. That's who Satan is. That's who, or the word, de- that's who he is. He's, he's the father of lies. And the way that he does it, it's not a red pitchfork and trying to, he's trying to get you to get lies in your head to where you believe false ideas that'll lead you astray. I, I wrote down a few of these. Some of these might sound like you. If it sounds like somebody you know or your spouse, just don't judge right now, all right? But here's a few of the lies that, that can get in, right? Sometimes it's a comparison lie. So that leader struggles with this sin. And so it's okay if I do it. I mean, I've seen it before. Or an excuse. I'm not mean and rude. I just have the gift of discernment, right? Or I'm not proud, I'm just confident, right? I'm not greedy. I'm just financially intelligent and I know what I'm doing, right? I'm not angry. I just, I'm just the only one who really understands and gets reality, right? Or a false view of God, maybe overleaning in an area. I, I, uh, I'll go ahead and engage in this sin because God knows my heart and, and he'll forgive me. And that's not standing. It's, it's this, this twisted lie. And it's not usually just suddenly going from following Jesus to hating God. It's a, it's a slow deception. It's a, it's a push. It's a lie. And you slowly start to believe false ideas about God, about the scriptures. Sometimes it's contrasting one part of your life <laughs> against another, right? I'm a good dad. So it's okay if I scream at Renata. no, no. I mean, I just made that one up. That one would never happen, right? I went to a prayer meeting, and so it's okay if I just waste hours watching sports, right? It's all kinds of bizarre ideas or listening to the voices of others, right? Listening to, well, I heard one person say, and I cling on to it, twist it a little bit to get what I want. One of the ones that's strange, really works a lot with young people is believing lies that are, in lyrics of songs that they've heard. And in the moment where you have a choice to make, instead of having the word of God in your head, in your heart, you've got the song. I'm old enough to know better. I'm just still too young to care, or whatever the song is, right? So you believe, or a movie, right? So you got that in your head. And the enemy, he is like a prowling lion. He has got any attempt he can to try to take you out. And it comes in the form of these 
lies, this twisted idea. And sometimes it even feels religious. I gave you all those because it's kind of religious talk, but it's twisted in its lies. And the enemy wants to try to get you off course. He wants to try to get you to not stand. And this, I mean, that's what Paul's saying. This is not what David's saying. Here's what Paul's saying. He's using that word scheming. And I think it's helpful just to begin to say, what is the scheme that he's working on with me? Like Jesus looks at Peter in Luke 22 and he says, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon. And when uh, you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Peter's about to go through that denial. And Jesus uses the language. The enemy is after you, Peter. He wants to sift you like wheat. That is not Halloween pitchfork, you know, that is, that is grinding like wheat. Like I, I, I don't, I don't really know wheat and grinding that well, but, but it's, it's to grind. I want to to destroy you, to hurt you. And I just think that sometimes we, we take a, we, we pull back and have a very casual approach on this instead of what I believe to be the hatred, the, the aggressiveness that we read about, the offensive attack that we're supposed to have that we read about in Paul and Peter and John. Listen to this idea that, that Paul says to the Corinthians. Another reason I wrote you was to see, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven it in the sight of Christ for your sake. And then he says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So Paul talking to the church in Corinth, going, we, we are not unaware. He is scheming. We don't want him to outwit us. One of the tragedies for me, I'm a disciple maker. It's one of my passions. I want to do that with my life. And so I've spent hours uh, sitting at Denny's with a bunch of dudes talking about what it means to follow Jesus, right? And one of the biggest, one of the sadnesses of my life is when I see one of these men and they, they, start, to, they start to allow a lie to get in. It could be, there's, there's hundreds of them, but but they start to allow it to get in and it is not, it does not start as mean. It does not start as vicious. It starts as false thinking. It's just twisted. It's got a little bit of, a little bit of ideology that's logical, but it doesn't align with what we read in the scriptures. And so before too long, they're way out here, angry, bitter, whatever form of brokenness. And I wanna, I wanna fight for us. I wanna fight for you to just lock in with what it looks like for you to stand firm. So I'm gonna give you just a couple weapons here because then in this text, he gives us a couple weapons. That's three ideas that we see in the text. And then here's, I see, I see two forms of weapons. Some commentaries and people say there's six weapons. Some say seven. I, here's what I see. I, to me, it doesn't matter the number. To me, it matters the kind. All right, the first is this. I see this defensive, these defensive weapons that Paul gives us. And, and these weapons are, are your character. So he says, put on the belt of truth, the the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. And so most think here he is chained to a Roman guard and he's looking at this Roman soldier and obviously saw lots of them as he spent so much of his time in Roman prisons. And he's like, okay, well, these are the way that they fight their battles. This is their garb. This is how they're dressed. But we as Christians Here's the armor that we put on, right? And so it's been given to you. The question is, will you put it on? And he gives us these five pieces. 
And I love that. And so we wanna fight for those things. We wanna fight for truth. That's what I was just talking about. We wanna fight for righteousness, for peace, for faith, for self. We wanna fight. We know what it means that I'm saved. I know what it means that I, I'm gonna walk in faith. I want the peace of God to rule my heart. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. I want the truth of God. I wanna highlight more today these two offensive ones at the end because he gives us this and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want you to see that. So you've got these, def- these ones that are defensive weapons. And then you've got this one that is the next one, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is the one that I'm dreaming about to be the application item for you this week is that the word of God is the offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit. And when you read the story of Jesus, confrontation with the enemy, this is the one that boggles my mind because this is what's on his lips. So you've got the enemy that comes to Jesus, Matthew chapter four. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan comes after him again in verse seven. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Jesus answered him, it is also written. Hear it right there on his tongue. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Third time, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So here's what I wanna encourage you with. I wanna encourage you to have the, the word of God on your tongue, where you've got it in your head, where you've got it on your heart. One of, my, one, one of the sad things for me, I think, in our current culture is that we've got the word of God in our pocket, but not in our head. So we don't actually know it. And you're getting the same kind of scheming, the same kind of the enemy after you. I personally believe it's more than ever because I I know that we live in a wealthy culture and I know that we've got a lot of blessing, but I also know we have more access to the stream of immorality and sin than ever before. And that it's all around us. And here's the idea, this word right here. And when he says this the, the word of God, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's, it's actually not the Greek word logos. It's the Greek word rhema. So that rhema is the, the, the word of God, what God is speaking, right? So we tend to think, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's memorizing all of the scriptures. And, and, and I want you to memorize, I want you to memorize and know it the best you can. I mean, if you're a cook, think of it as like, I'm gonna get all the scriptures I can in, in my pantry so that I can be ready to make anything, Right? you're a hunter, just think about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get as, as much uh, bullets as I possibly can, right? Like I'm going to just have it in my bag, right? If you're a hipster, just think closet full of skinny jeans and scarves, right? Like I'm going to get as much as I can so that I'm ready, right? I want you to think that way. But the idea here, the rhema word is what Jesus had in that moment. It's that ability to speak what God is saying. It's rhema. It's the word of, it's the sword. It's the, it's, here's, the, here's what God is saying. And I'm telling you, you wanna, you'll, have, you'll have that available to you as you know it, as you, as, you, as you live in the scriptures and as you walk with God so that you can say it. When we were planting Radiant Church, I needed a rhema word. I needed what the word of, of the Lord was in that season. It was, the, it, was a, it was a challenging season. And I've been a healthy person most of my life in terms of physical sickness. And I remember when we moved here, the church planting uh, guys said, hey, those few months, those, those five months from when you move to Kansas City to when you start the church, those are the days to work like never before. Rise up early in the, in the morning, uh, work till night. I mean, 
I mean, work 25 hours a day and fast eight days a week and meet everybody and pray hard and, and work on buying pipe and drape and kids ministry and write out ideas and know your doctrine. And it's, it's the hardest working season of your life. And we got to Kansas City and I got sicker than I've ever been. I got shingles and I was laying in bed in April on my, I mean, for, uh, for many days. And I just remember I needed, I needed the rhema word to fight the enemy. I just needed it. And, and I had prayed, I had been praying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And I had sensed that scripture alive inside of me. And when I faced that, and that I remember just saying that, this church is not based on my own strength or my own abilities. It's not by might, not by power, but it's by your spirit, God. And so God, I'm laying in bed. I am not, I got nothing, but this is you and I'm dependent on you. And so for me, it was a rhema word. It was how I fought when the enemy said, you're lazy, you're pathetic. This is not gonna work. Go back to where you came from. Or in the first couple months of the church, I walked right down off the stage, walked right over here. And this dude walked up to me and goes, that was a great sermon if I was 12 years old and walked out and never came back. And if I don't have the rhema word of God, I'm like, "Mm," right? But if I've got not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. You know what, God? I trust in you. And this is, doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter if I get sick. I'm like, right? I'm gonna walk with, this is you. I got, enemy is not gonna take me out. You gotta have that. You gotta get the word of God inside of you. Dialogue with God on it. And get this, get the word of God on your tongue. It's where you know it, where it's in you. It's in your head, it's in your heart. And you too. I love A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called, I Talk Back to the Devil. <laughs> I didn't read the book, but I love the title, right? Whew. <laughs> so you gotta, but, but I remember just last one. I mean, I, I just remember Nathan calling me and say, hey, David, uh, thieves have just stolen our projector in the first month of the church. And I was like, our thieves projector? We have a projector? What? You like, and just the, and, and just the f- potential fear and just starting to rise up. Okay. And held on to that same one. I mean, that verse, I have just, Honestly, talk back to the devil over and over again, not by might nor by power, but by my, this is God's church. This is, it is God at work, whether thieves, <laughs> mean dudes <laughs> or sickness come after me. I'm just, I remember for Renata, my wife, she, uh, she's strong and fearless. And actually when we were dating uh, one Saturday in Colorado, she just went skydiving with some friends. And I mean, what, you know, she's just, and then we had, a kid and she got a little anxiety. And we had two kids and <laughs> she had more anxiety. And we had three kids, she had more anxiety. And four kids, all of a sudden it was a battle. And one of my favorite things, no, no special epic moment for her, just reading the scriptures, filling up her heart, filling up her mind with the word of God. And she read Proverbs 31, 25, which says, Picking on the version. My favorite one is speaking of the Proverbs 31 woman. She says, she laughs at tomorrow. Or another one says, she has no fear of the future. And before I know it, boom, right on our wall, Renata's bought a frame, a canvas, and just says, she laughs at tomorrow. Why? Sarema word. It's, it's, it's the word of God and it's alive inside of her. Mm. I don't know where that not today Satan thing came from, but I like it. Mm. Not today. Why? Why? Because I'm going to just, because I'm fighting you? No, not because you're fighting. 
First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so you have the God of the universe. I mean, takes up residency. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. And then you stand and you can, the defeated foe, his day is short. He's still prowling. He's still attacking. He's still after you. How can you stand? <sighs> well, get, this, get out that offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm just give you one more, this last one, because and then pray in the spirit on all occasions. And I'm just telling you the word of God, the Bible, the word of God, get it in you. And then prayer, that is, that is the offense. That's what's it's gonna help you talk back. I can't imagine a church where we don't have that in us. That's why we, that's why we work so diligently at the prayer meeting to pray the scriptures, get the word of God in us and just pray it. Every Wednesday night, we're just praying. We're aligning our hearts with it. Come Lord, do this. You're well. And I'll tell you this, in my own journey, I worked really hard to get a biblical worldview, like four-year undergraduate degree in theology. Worked hard on a master's degree in my early 30s. And those don't hold comparison to praying the scriptures and getting the word of God in my heart. That's what prepares me for the battles. I can have quotes. I can know church history. I can know people's different view on things. But what helps me in the battle to stand in the moment where I'm tempted to believe a lie, quit, you're too lazy. Quit, you're not good enough. Quit, you don't got enough money. People stealing stuff. No, walking with God not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. You've said it, you've declared it. Get the word of God and then pray it. I just, Paul says, I says, and then pray. Pray all kinds of prayers and requests. And we're dreaming about a praying church where we're praying and we're going after. Imagine this. Now, text Luke 10, when the disciples come back and they go, at the name of your name, the demons flee. I mean, just think, the name of Jesus and here you are praying in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit taking up residency in you. When you've got, okay, I've got, it's not my power, but Christ in me, greater is he that is in me, First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. All right. And that prayer becomes strong. You, you, will, you will stand and you will not fall back. And I wanna invite you to say it. Every time that the enemy comes after you and says, you're, you're not strong enough. You don't know enough. You're too given to lust. You, pff, how many relationships have you messed up? You can't do ministry. You pff, pick the lie. I wanna invite you to talk back and get this in you. At the name of Jesus, Philippians 2 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. The name of Jesus, there's no, there is no name higher than his name. Demons flee in Luke 10 because of his name. Get that name, hit the highest authority. Satan, demonic activity, they hold nothing. The highest name, the highest authority is Christ, Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth, Jesus says to his disciples, been given to me, therefore you go. And I wanna invite you to get there. No, not today. In my family, with my four kids, if I have Addie try to mobilize all four kids to clean their room, on her own, it is a hard task. 
Addie, go have all the kids clean their room. If Addie's trying to get Dawson and Liv and Justice to clean their rooms on her own power and her own strength, she will probably come back to me in tears. But if I say, Addie, tell the kids to clean their room and that I said so. She walks up, dad says, clean your room. I'm telling you this, in my house, there are two names that are above every name. Dad, dad and mom, right? And if you throw in the dad said, then there's repercussions if you don't. And I'm telling you this, you've got the name above every name in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't shrink back. Don't fall back. Don't let the enemy get a foothold, but stand. Amen? Let's literally stand. All right, let's pray. Just place your hand on your heart. would you just ask the Holy Spirit right now would you just reveal to me a lie that I've been believing now will you just ask the Holy Spirit just open up your heart to the word of God you get rhema words you hold to the word of God Father, I just thank you for Radiant Church. I thank you for what you're doing as we seek to walk with you and know you and be close to you. And I pray for them. I pray that they would stand. I pray that no scheme of the enemy would prosper. I pray for your strength and your blessing. I pray that you would protect them from the evil one. I pray that this week they would know whose they are and that they would stand, that they would swing the sword of the spirit, the word of God and pray. If you're here today and you wanna begin a journey with Jesus, I wanna invite you just to repeat this prayer and you can begin a journey with Jesus today. Just say this, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me, change me and heal me. Make me a new person. Give me new life in Christ that I might spend eternity with you. I give you my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.